0: Now, Easter is supposed to be one of those times that's just filled with hope and expectation, right? But the interesting thing is, if you read the story of the first Easter, that wasn't the original emotion that came with Easter. When people first discovered that Jesus had risen from the dead, they weren't excited,
1: they were fearful, they were scared. Have you ever felt afraid? Have you ever been filled with fear? I think everyone has
0: fears. I think everyone has specific fears. Some of them are irrational fears and we need to get them checked and we need to take maybe some medications for those things or we maybe need counseling for those things. And some of those things we're even going to talk about next week and through our series called Mind Games but there's some fears that are universal. They're fears, they're part of the human condition. We fear for our health. We go to the doctor expecting that we'll get a clean bill of health. And the doctor says, actually, there's something we need to discuss. I have some bad news. And it's
1: the C word. We fear for our health. We fear for our safety.
0: I remember when I was learning to drive it was sure easy when I was in a parking lot and there were wide open spaces and then I got my my uh, permit and I was able to get on the highway and all of a sudden there weren't any wide open spaces there was this narrow lane that I had to keep the car in between these lines and it seemed like some people didn't honor those lines. And then, of course, you add in things like weather, because we live in Rochester and we experience snow eight months of the year, (laughs) and we know what it's like to have to go to drive somewhere in bad weather and how white-knuckle driving came to be. We know what that fearful, tense situation is. We fear for our safety. Or maybe we're walking through an unfamiliar neighborhood at night, and we hear noises, we Don't feel safe. We feel failure. We fear putting in the time, the effort, and not getting the result. We fear being alone. I actually read uh, an online article this week of a security company that does a survey looking at the Google searches in the United States for. Uh, afraid of, phobia of, and then decides what are the things that people are the most afraid of over the course of a calendar year. And they even look at the results by state. And you know what the biggest one in New York State is? Afraid of being alone. Everyone else in the country, most of the people, the highest ranked thing in most of the states, was I'm afraid of people right now because of COVID, right? Because of the pandemic, I'm afraid of people. That was the highest thing that people were searching for and Googling for. But in New York State,
1: it said fear of being alone. Maybe, maybe you're one of those folks that You're watching all of your
0: friends get married. It's about that season of life.
1: But it's not your turn. not your time. And you wonder when. Or maybe you're widowed. And you watch all of your your friends who are growing into their
0: golden years together and enjoying retirement together and you wonder, why not me? Why did this happen to me? Loss is big. Loss of a loved one is big. We can lose jobs, opportunities, friends, loved ones. I don't have to tell those who have buried
1: children and grandchildren How hard it is to celebrate on Easter. I think another one of those universal fears is just fear of the unknown.
0: What's next? We like to make plans. We like to make five-year plans. We like to say at the end of this period of my life, I'm going to be doing these things. What if they don't happen? What if something else happens? What if there's a tragedy? And if you have kids, you know what it's like to fear the unknown as you send them off on a field trip or, or an overnight camp and they're gone for a while and you think, gosh, this is going to be fantastic for them, but you're still nervous and every time the phone
1: rings, you jump. Everyone has fears. But what if what if we don't have to be afraid?
0: What if we don't have to be afraid? What if the message of Easter is that we have no reason to fear anything that life can throw at us? And what if I were to tell you that is exactly true? That there is no reason to fear that there is no reason to have a shadow of a doubt in your mind, that you can confidently know that anything that life gets thrown at you, the thing that happened at Easter is greater than the thing that you're facing, the thing that you're afraid of. Easter tells us that we have no reason to fear because at the first Easter, everything changed. So what exactly happened at Easter? What's the story? Well, let me give you just a a little bit of background before we jump into the Bible and look at that story of the first Easter. Jesus died. And everyone knew it. Jesus died on a cross and everyone knew it. He was beaten. He was publicly scourged. He had a crown of thorns put on his head and he had a a sign put on his cross that said, you are the king of the Jews. He had to carry his own instrument of execution up to the, the hill called the skull, a place of public execution. And when he couldn't carry it anymore because he was so weak, someone had to come and they made him carry the cross for Jesus. He was nailed to that cross and he hung there between two criminals And everyone saw it who went by. And he was mocked. And how did they mock him? They said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. If you really are the Messiah, if you really are the son of God, just step off that cross, use your power, get down, you'll be fine. We'll all be impressed and we'll all follow
1: you. You can solve this like this. And he refused And he was forsaken by God.
0: Because in Jesus' own words, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No, Jesus died. And everyone knew that he died. Even his closest followers had no shadow of a doubt that he was dead. They scattered, they ran. And they were afraid for their lives that they were next. Everyone saw that he was dead. They saw Joseph from Arimathea come and ask Pilate for the body, which he took and put into a tomb that no one else had been put in before. Then there were some women who wanted to come and anoint the body with spices and give it a proper burial, give the body a proper uh, a send-off. They couldn't. They had to wait because of the Passover. Everyone knew that Jesus was dead, even the ones who asked him, who told him, who put him to death. And they were so concerned because they knew what he was going to be saying and what he was going to be doing and that he had already promised that in three days he'd be back. They posted guards at the tomb.
1: Everyone knew that he was dead. And then Jesus changed everything because
0: you just can't keep a good man down. And all of a sudden, we read this in Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. When suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Jesus changed everything with his resurrection. The women saw an angel who told them to not be afraid, but they couldn't help it. And when the angel gave them the instructions to go tell the other disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee, they went, they were afraid, but they had some joy. There was kind of a mix. So Jesus himself shows up and he told them to not be afraid. Why was it more powerful for Jesus to tell them this rather than the angel to tell them this?
1: Because of who Jesus is and because Some news, if
0: you're going to allay some fears, have to be delivered in person. If you're going to give good news that help people calm their fears and erase their doubts and anxiety, some of those things need to be delivered by specific people. And so Jesus comes himself. The angel wasn't enough. They saw Jesus. He told them to not be afraid. And he could deliver that message better than anyone. And even when others tried to deny it, the text is going to go on and tell some stories about how the religious rulers saw that this had happened. And so they came up with a story that said, okay, listen, you trained Roman soldiers. What we want you to do is say that these fishermen came and overpowered you while you were on guard duty. And we'll pay you. And if anyone has any questions, we'll, you know, we'll deal with that. We'll cover it up. So who are you going to believe? What story are you going to believe? That Jesus is risen? Or that Jesus' body is somewhere out there
1: and that there's a cover-up? The problem with the cover-up lies with Jesus
0: himself. The good news of Easter, of course, is that we don't have to be afraid because Jesus is alive. We don't have to be afraid anymore because he is alive just as he said he would do. He promised it would happen. It happened. And that makes us wonder if everything else he said and taught is worth taking at his word as well. You joined us for Good Friday. We had just an amazing time. Uh, as we celebrated online, just in the privacy of our own homes, with our families, with those we love, or maybe just on your own, and remembered the reason why Jesus died. We celebrated the death of Jesus, and that seems odd to celebrate the death of Jesus. But what the death of Jesus showed us is who God really is that He's perfectly just, He will not tolerate sin. And the penalty for sin, our
1: sin, yours and mine, is death, physical death, eternal punishment. But God is love. He's not just perfectly just, he's
0: perfectly loving. And so he says, I don't want that for you. I don't want that death for you. I will take it on myself. The Son of God took our sin on His shoulders, His Son's death, paid for our sins, and opened the door to a relationship with God. And the resurrection, that this is all true, just as He said, is the proof that it is true, that our sins can be forgiven, they have been forgiven, that we can be restored to a right relationship with God. And Jesus himself proved it over and over and over and over and over again. Take a look at um, kind of a famous passage if you grew up in church that comes in at the end of our story in Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online thinking, I'm just not sure about the resurrection, you're in good company. Because the original disciples weren't sure of the resurrection and Jesus showed up physically in front of them. They worshipped because... Seemed like the right thing to do, but they still had doubts. They still had fears. And do you know what Jesus promises to them to help them with that fear? That He really does have the power over life and death, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Him. It's not go and do a job. It's As you live your life following me, telling other people about me, teaching them to follow you, teaching them the nature of God as their heavenly Father, who the Son of God is, who the Holy Spirit is, I will be with you. The power of the resurrection not only raised Jesus from the dead, but Jesus keeps showing up. We actually see this In the life of a man named Paul, Paul would become one of the greatest New Testament writers. He was a church planter, he was an apostle, and he planted a number of churches all across the known world. As a matter of fact, in less than a generation, Christianity spread like wildfire all across the Greco-Roman world and beyond. This man, Paul, he went to a town named Corinth, the city, actually. Oh, this city had a, had a brutal reputation. Oh, they, they, they had some, like, wild parties, the, the stuff that, you know, gets banned on television, things that you don't ever want to think about or have they were celebrated there. There was a polytheistic view of society they, they, and religion. They thought that, you know, whatever you believed, that was okay, and you could dabble in a whole bunch of all things, and it wouldn't really matter. And the church really struggled to believe that Jesus had this kind of authority, that they should listen to Jesus and follow Jesus as the one to all authority had been given. And in a letter that uh, Paul wrote after he planted the church, he was trying to help them. He was trying to pastor them from afar, from long distance. He wrote them this letter. And we see what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 15. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That Jesus fulfilled all of the Old Testament. That he was buried, he was actually dead, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he, what's the word? Appeared. He kept coming back. He appeared to Cephas, who would be Peter, and then to the the twelve, and then after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living although some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. What does he mean by abnormally born? Well, it goes back to Paul's conversion story. He used to hunt Christians, he thought they were a plague on the worship of the one true God in Israel, that they were, they were committing the greatest form of blasphemy. And he went and got permission from the religious leaders in Jerusalem to travel around and capture and imprison Christians for what they believed and what they were talking about. And on the road one day as he was headed down to a town in order to put more Christians in prison, Jesus showed up knocked him on his horse, made him go blind, and told him, stop fighting me. Instead, work with me. I want to make you the one who goes with my message to the Gentiles. In other words, every other nation on earth. And that's exactly what Paul did. He dramatically changed his life. And he showed up to 500 people, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and the apostles over and over and over and over again. And after this letter was written, he would show up in the last book of the Bible, he would show up to John, who would be writing in prison, Jesus himself would come and stand in front of him and tell him, here's what I want you to write to these churches and here's what I want you to tell is coming for all of time and for all of eternity. I want you to know God's battle plan for the end of time. Jesus keeps showing up again and again and again because he promised for those that follow him, they would never be alone. He would always be with them. And people today are experiencing the exact same truth. Jesus just keeps showing up in our lives over and over and over and over and over. He keeps coming. He keeps coming in big ways, in small ways. But he continually comes. He continually has promised. He has made this promise that I will be with you to the very end of the age. You live for me and I will be with you. You will know me personally, not just factually, not just historically, but you will know me personally. And you know what that means, church? He is right here, right now. He might be sitting in the chair next to you or on the couch uh, spot next to you. If there's room, you may need to scooch over a little bit, but he's there. And he may be wanting to speak to you, to connect with you, to draw you close, to reveal himself to you in a deeper way than ever before. He is the person of hope because he is hope personified, he is always with us. So how does that work? How does that work for us today because Jesus ascended into heaven and you know Paul had the big experience on the road to Emmaus and we read you know missionary stories of uh you know people in in countries where Christian access to the Bible is is not allowed and you're not allowed to really proclaim that you're a Christ follower and you're not allowed to worship and invite people to church and do all the things that we kind of take for granted here in our country and in North in North American in the western world God shows up in dreams can't tell you the amount of times I've heard in the last 10 years alone of people in countries that have limited access to the gospel intentionally because of other religions or governmental systems or or militaristic rule that have shut that right down. And there are missionaries who are working sort of undercover, but they're not hiding anything, but they're there. They're professional workers. They're Uh, Having conversations with people, explaining who God is. And, And I have heard story after story after story and read story after story after story of people coming and saying, A man came to me in a vision, said that he was Jesus and that I needed to talk to you about how to be saved. Jesus
1: himself
0: is still here with you and with me.
1: And this is how it all
0: works in our lives. We may not get the grandiose vision, but this is what I think happens. Paul would um, go on and plant churches all over the um, uh, area of Greece and and Rome and Italy. And he would end up in Rome under house arrest. He would start to write a letter, kind of a summarized letter what I think people just absolutely have to know after my life's experience, sort of what I think life is all about. He wrote the book called Romans, explaining what God had done in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he penned these words that are just so powerful. Therefore, since we have been justified, Through faith, not works, not something that you and I do, but something Jesus did. We trust that, and we are justified. We are right with God. Because we are justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. In other words, that we will see God's glory personally. And not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Wait a minute, what? Sufferings? No, 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 make that a better word, not not sufferings. No, Paul said, no, we can boast in our sufferings because I know what suffering does for the Christ follower. We know that suffering produces suffering. Perseverance, perseverance to follow. Perseverance produces character, character like the one we follow. And that character like the one we follow produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Jesus doesn't just save us and say, see you on the other side, hope you make it. Instead, he says, I am with you, and he gives us hope in our lives, in our experiences. The personal
1: relationship that you and I can have
0: is the kind of relationship that Jesus wants to have with you. He keeps showing up. He keeps coming, he keeps coming, he doesn't give up, he keeps coming back. And he promises that as he is with us, we get to gain his perspective on what we're going through in life. We get to see his presence and his power as we understand how he really is our hope and we really don't have to be afraid. But God even takes the crap that gets thrown at us by life by our choices, by our sin, by the sins of others and turns it into something good. He transforms us and it all leads us to hope. Oh, we can experience Jesus personally, not just factually, not just historically, and well, that's for other people who are of a, you know, more charismatic and more outgoing and, you know, windmill their arms on the platform or jump up and down or clap during a worship song. None of that. We all can have a personal relationship with Jesus all because of the resurrection. He is alive. And because of that, we don't have to fear anything in our lives. He is with us as we follow him. There's no reason to fear because Jesus has been raised from the dead. We don't need to fear the unknown. We don't need to fear failure. We don't need to fear health issues. We don't need to fear rejection. Because we know Jesus personally. Easter is the greatest moment in history because the resurrection is hope personified. The person of Jesus for you that you can know personally. He can be your hope. He can be your personal hope. And you don't have to be afraid.
1: Jesus is hope personified. Let's pray together.
0: As the worship team uh, comes on up and uh, just as our heads are bowed and if you're watching us online, uh, as you're joining us, I want to give you an opportunity to put your hope
1: in Jesus, to put your faith in him. Trust him with your life
0: that you can know him as your living hope as he enters into your experiences and gives you perspective power and the presence of the son of god in all that you say and all that you do and all that you encounter if you would like to know that hope is yours and i want to invite you to pray a small prayer with me It's often called the sinner's prayer in church circles where we just confess that we've sinned but we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead and that our sin has been paid for and in that prayer we commit our lives to knowing him and following him with everything we have with every eye closed and every head bowed why don't we pray together Jesus thank you so much for the resurrection, that we can know for certain that you are alive because you are hope personified. You are personal. You come and you meet us in our situations, in our circumstances. You speak to us in small ways. Maybe it's a a verse of scripture that someone sends it, or maybe it's a, a grandiose vision. Who knows? But you are constantly showing up in our lives. And we are so thankful that you are. You are constantly reminding us that we don't have to be afraid, that we don't have to be fearful of what's to come, the fear of the unknown, because you are alive and that you have all authority in
1: heaven and on earth. Your death paid for our sins. Your resurrection proved that our sins
0: are forgiven. And for, Lord, for anyone who now wants to yield their life to you, to know for certain that they have that living hope, salvation, freedom, freedom from fear, and eternal life, I pray that you would help them to pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have done things in defiance
1: of who you are as God. And I am sorry. I am thankful for Jesus because
0: I believe that his death on the cross and resurrection from the grave paid the penalty for my sins. That I am justified because of his sacrifice and his resurrection. I surrender my life to you. Help me to follow you with all of my heart and soul and mind and strength for the rest of our days, for the
1: rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer,
0: I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things. If you're watching online, just put in chat that you prayed that prayer. Maybe raise your hand at this moment, just put it in chat, we'll see it. We get all the logs of people that dialogue all through the week, so we keep track of that. Don't worry, we're not spying on you. But uh, if you put that in chat, that you prayed that prayer, and we'll be in contact with you this week about how you can begin to know personally the person of Jesus Christ who is alive and wants to have a relationship with you. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, then as you uh, maybe just want to drop by the uh, welcome wall area where we've got those mugs and fill out that Connect card and just put in the box that says, how did you hear about our church? Say, I prayed that prayer. Just put that. And we'll be in touch with you this week on how you can begin that relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he is our living hope personified, the person of Jesus that we can know no matter what our circumstances are and what we
1: are facing he will be with us. Amen? Amen.